Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. Every week we discuss issues including disability and income inequality. This week, we're honoring the women first responders who tried to save people 21 years ago on September 11th. Nearly 3,000 people died that day in terror attacks as two planes were flown into the World Trade Center in New York City, a third plane hit the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia, and a fourth aircraft crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania after passengers fought back against hijackers. 343 firefighters were killed in New York City alone, but it is rare that people discuss the number of women, from the FDNY to EMTs and doctors and nurses, who also risked their lives on that terrible day. Susan Hagen is co-author of Women at Ground Zero, Stories of Courage and Compassion, which tells some of their first-person experiences. We began by asking Hagen to tell us about the three female first responders who died at Ground Zero. That conversation after this short break. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Kathy Maza was a Port Authority uh, police officer, and she went in to help get people out of the towers on 9-11 and was killed in the process of doing that. Same with Moira Smith, who was a police officer with the NYPD. Um, Neither of their bodies were found for some time, but they both were found inside the rubble, and they had both been seen by numerous people Uh, working on the evacuation and trying to get people out. And the third one was Yamel Marino, and she was a young EMT with a private ambulance company. Um, When we talked to her partner, um, Paul, uh, he told us that she just kept saying, we have to go back in, Polly, and get as many people out as we can. And they kept going back in with their ambulance, packing it with people and driving them out until finally their ambulance was hit and she was killed. I've got to ask you, Susan, you're a firefighter and EMT yourself. What was it like for you to to talk to women who were on the scene of such a horrific day? Well, I'm in California on the West Coast, and I was in a very small fire department. I'm retired now. Um, We probably have, you know, some two or three story buildings, but nothing like you see in New York City. So I was just in awe of the nature of the work that they had to do just to respond to any kind of fire or incident in New York City, trying to get around in the traffic, trying to drive their trucks into areas that were inaccessible, um, just on any kind of call. But then going into an event like 9-11, it was almost impossible to fathom. And I'll tell you, sitting down to interview each one of them uh, was... Uh, quite an experience. We brought them each into our hotel room and sat them down 
for many of them, they had not taken a break since the morning of 9-11. They'd been sleeping in their firehouses or in Red Cross shelters, hadn't been home to see their families, had hardly showered. And so this was the first time they had a chance to sit down and take a breath, um, have someone serve them a cup of tea and be asked, how are you doing? And the uh, intensity of that connection uh, when they told us their story is something I'll never forget. To just look into their eyes and see the pain and the fear and the loss and to know that they were continuing to go in time and time again to do what they could at that point when we were there to uh, try to recover um, anyone who was alive. Um, it was it was really a stunning experience and very, very uh, intimate to be sitting with um, these women who had gone through so much. So, Susan, tell me, tell me a story of, of one of the women you spoke to. Who was she and how was she doing? I always like to talk about Terry Tobin, who is still working um, in the NYPD. She's the highest ranking woman in the police department um, at this time. She uh, went into um, the site early on. She was down at headquarters, so she went right in when the planes first hit and started rescuing people and getting them out. Um, She was also working with the media, trying to keep them um, focused, get their stories, but also keep them out of harm's way. Uh, When the towers came down, she was caught in the falling rubble and was uh, buried under quite a bit of rubble. She was hit in the head by a piece of cement from the building, which cracked and broke her Kevlar helmet and the cement embedded into the back of her head. Um, When she was able to get herself out of the rubble, she had a broken ankle and she had a shard of glass sticking out of her back. And in that condition, she got up and continued to help get people to safety until someone actually forced her to get on the boat and go to get help herself. Um, She was set to retire, was talking about retiring at that time. Um, And then she just shook her head and said, my people need me. My city needs me. The fire, uh, the uh, police department needs me, and I'm not going out. 21 years later, she's still on the job, um, still taking care of the people in New York City. Give me an idea of the level of different women that were there. We've talked about the FDNY. We've talked about the NYPD. But there were mm-hmm. also doctors and nurses and, and EMTs and EMS workers that were there as well, right? I think any field that you would consider uh, working at 9-11, either during the disaster or after during the cleanup, there were women there. Um, They were part of the utilities. They were on construction crews. They were, as you say, EMTs, paramedics, police, fire, volunteers, um, nurses, doctors. I mean, the whole gamut. I mean, we are everywhere. We are everywhere. And, you know, it was I was incensed that the media would train their cameras on uh, firefighters and people in uniform and just in and just assume that every one of those people in uniform was a male and to refer to them as firemen and policemen and our brave guys and the brotherhood um, when women were working shoulder to shoulder and often, you know, um, working ahead of the men in, in each of these areas. Do you think that that was about sexism, the reason that people don't seem to have any idea that there were so many women down there? Or was it just the blinders of the of the panic and the, and the horror of the scene? 
You know, I've thought a lot about that over the years, and I've talked to a lot of people about it. And one of my theories is um, that when we're in crisis, we revert to what we learned, what we knew best, what's in our gut. And um, when most of us were young people, at least when I was a young child, I didn't see any females in the police or fire department in, in my hometown uh, or in high school or even college uh, growing up. It was all men. So they were firemen and policemen. And when things you know, got bad, we turned to those strong, brave men to help us. So on the one hand, you know, it may be that that's deeply ingrained in some of the generations that are still living today. Um, and another way is that when you look out on the pile and you see all these uniforms and helmets, you can't tell what gender is inside that uniform. So there may be an assumption that was made. Um, I, I really don't know the answer. Those are some of my thoughts about it. Um, but I know that our book, Women at Ground Zero, is the only book that is uh, available that talks about the female rescuers on 9-11. And we have 31 stories of the women who were there, um, their heroism, what they felt, what they thought, what they did, and how they um, were dealing with it in the aftermath. Tell us another story about a woman that you spoke to that touched your heart right after, because you went and talked to people right after this happened. Right after it happened. Yeah, pretty much a couple weeks after it happened. Um, Lois Mungay is on the cover of our book, and she uh, was one of the most highly decorated firefighters in New York City at the time. I think that she was uh, off work that day and heard on the radio that the planes had hit the tower and jumped in her car and drove down to the firehouse only to miss um, the engines that had gone out. I think it was eight or nine of her crew members were killed that day. And um, she was living with that loss and that regret of having not made it down there in time to get on that truck and having lost all of those um, coworkers And so when we talked to her, she was in absolute deep grief and disbelief. She was uh, came in with raw, bleeding fingers because she had been down there digging and searching for her colleagues uh, every day since 9-11 happened. And I think, you know, when we met Lois and, and of course, I still know Lois and have known her for all these years she probably would have rather have been one of the ones that was on that truck and not the one that was left behind to deal with the families, care for the children, help the families out, um, lay all of those firefighters to rest. And it was, it was a long, long time before they found any other bodies. I wonder what you are hearing from the women that you are still in touch with. It's 21 years later. How, how are they doing? How are you doing? You know, um, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons from that time. And with regard to the women uh, that were in our book, yes, we're still in touch with many of them. I think if, it's like any group of people. Everybody deals differently with things. There are some who just really hate the reminder of the anniversary. Um, they try to get along with their lives and put not be defined by what happened to them on 9-11. And they really hate being reminded of it. And there's others who um, use that day to honor those that were lost, to honor those who responded, um, to um, take pride in the community that grew around what happened that day. 
And um, I know that Terry Tobin calls me every year on 9-11 to just say, I'm thinking about you. I'm making all my phone calls to the people that I care about from that day. And this is how I get through it. Um, and then others, um, you know, it's like being reminded of the worst day of your life. What message do you have for the women out there, the first responders who came to help, the last survivor pulled out of the World Trade Center, who was a woman who worked for the Port Authority? What message do you have for them this year? You know, I think for all women, the message that I have is um, share your stories with each other. Share your stories with young people. Let the young girls in your life and the young women in your life know that these careers are all available to them, that they have the every opportunity that a man has or a boy has. I know that Lois told us that when she was in kindergarten, she told her teacher she wanted to be a fireman when she grew up. And the teacher said, oh, honey, only boys can be firemen. And so when Lois did not want to participate in our book because um, she's somebody who does not like seeking attention or having the spotlight shown on her, when her friend reminded her of that, she said, you know, if I don't tell my story and show my face, a whole generation of young girls is going to grow up thinking that only men are strong and brave and heroic. And that is just not the truth. So every woman who's in this book that we wrote is in it because they wanted that message to go out to the young women um, in our um, culture that these careers are available to them. They can do whatever they want to do. And women are there doing this work and will support them and help them. That's Susan Hagen, co-author of Women at Ground Zero. There is more about the book at susanhagen.com forward slash women dash at dash ground dash zero forward slash. And thanks to Alan Pang for his production assistance. Like what you hear? Come back for more. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Friday. Follow the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating or review. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys, CBS News. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes Podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.